your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 251 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you will get 20% off of your next order. That intro song you are hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today, very special episode. We got part two of our interview with former New York Ranger defenseman, Mr. Tom Laidlaw. Now, if you've not heard part one of our interview, I suggest starting there. You know, pause this one, go back to the previous episode and start there. You could do it in any order you want. That's just my personal recommendation of the best way to do it. But yeah, we got part two of our conversation with Tom. Going to be talking a little bit more about his career in the NHL, as well as the current Ranger team and what he thinks about this current group of players on the New York Rangers. And finally, we're going to get into Tom's time as a competitor on Survivor. So yeah. Part two with Tom Laidlaw. Enjoy. I understand you also have a podcast as well. Is that correct? Yes. Well, I, I really got into, especially during the pandemic, uh, I do a show on uh, Facebook Live. Uh, and I've done, I do multiple shows now during the week. So every Monday and Wednesday, uh, usually around 1030 in the morning, Kevin Allen and I uh, do a show on hockey. He used to write with USA Today. He was the head of Professional Hockey Writers Association. That's purely hockey. Uh, then I, I do another I, another show. I get this young lady uh, Jessica Dennehy on Tuesday mornings. We do a show. She's a very interesting person. She's a single mother. She's a lawyer down on Wall Street. She has her own barber shop. She runs now. She's into yoga and fitness. And, um, so her and I talk about just lifestyle, wellness, motivation, uh, networking, all that different stuff. Uh, then uh, Thursday afternoon is probably our most popular show. I have myself and three former teammates: uh, Dave Maloney, Ron Gresher, and Larry Melnick, and we go on. And it's uh, it's kind, of, it's kind of like, I guess I'm kind of like Johnny Carson. Ron Gresher is like uh, Ed McMahon from the old days. And we just, yeah. Dave, Dave Maloney's, he's an intelligent guy. And Larry Melnick plays the role of this grouchy old guy. He's really not. He's a great guy. So it's kind of funny. We talk hockey. We talk about life. We make fun of each other. And, uh, and then I have other uh, guests on uh, during the week. Uh, I try to have on as much motivational stuff. I had a, a show this morning with Mike Ozanian from Forbes. He does all the valuations for Forbes. We talked about the valuations for the National Hockey League that he just published. Um, and again, I, I just I, I want to try to. Uh, so the hockey one is hockey, obviously. Uh, the one with the, the my old teammates and I, it, it's a fun time. And with the rest of them, it's more. I want to try to help people see that. Uh, there's, you know, the motivation side of it, uh, business advice uh, that, you know, especially during this pandemic is that it's so negative in a lot of cases that there's still a lot of positive things that you can do in your life. There's a lot of positive ways you can make yourself better. So, uh, so it's gotten better and better. Again, the book is almost done. Uh, we're talking to some magazines about being a contributor for them. We'll see where that goes. Uh, I've, and like I said, the, the biggest thing for me, like, it's been a real evolution for me since I started the true good life of who I am, you know, and how I, how I treat people, the things I've learned. Uh, people want me to do a, I, the other show that I do is kind of fun. And on Sundays, I do a cooking show. Oh, nice. So what happened, what happened was, have you seen it? Have you seen the cooking show? I have not, but I'm definitely going to look it up when we're done here. All right. So what happened was at the start of the pandemic, I didn't have any, their gyms had closed and uh, I, I didn't have any workout equipment at home. So I had two full propane tanks for my barbecue. 
So I would go with the back deck and I would, I would film myself working out with the propane tanks. It was actually more fun. Uh, and then I, I don't know if somebody suggested to me or if I did it. I then printed out some pictures, one of Ron Greshner, a former teammate, and one of uh, Wilson, you know, the soccer ball from the movie uh, Castaway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I taped uh, the pictures and a picture to each one of the tanks. And I pretended that those guys were working out with me now at my outdoor gym. And I have a balance board that I use that helps me, you know, increase your core strength. So I would put like Wilson on the board and he was fine. He could stand up on it, no problem. And then I put Greshner on the board. He would fall over, you know, so I'd make it fun of these guys. And the, and the followers thought it was hilarious. So now I had to add more players to it and run. I put Ron Dugay up there. You know, he was kind of like the playboy with the Rangers. So I had him with like some of the women he had famous women he had dated in the past. And so then it became, I transferred all those guys into the kitchen. So when I cooked, I would do a video first of all the people that were there with me uh, in the kitchen while I was cooking. So you know, it's a pandemic, you're blocked away with nobody else. And then that grew and grew and things would happen. So now we have, I have a pet squirrel from out back that hangs around with me all the time. So Earl the squirrel is his pictures up there. We have pictures of politicians. There's a reason why everybody is up there. Uh, and, you know, so now there must be like 30 pictures that I put up there every time. And then I have a, and I film a, of uh, something I'm going to cook, usually some healthy stuff. And then I show pictures of the stuff to the process and then the final product and everything. So it's, uh, it's got to be one where like people like just expect, I have to do the show now on Sunday. If I don't do the show, people are like, where's the cooking show? Right and now they want me to do a cookbook now too. So we'll see where that goes. So that's what I mean. Like, it's funny. Like, you know, it's, it's for me, it's been funny. like, I didn't know where all this is going to go, all those true grid life stuff. And it just keeps to grow and grow. In fact, we've, we've got to kind of get the book done because we keep adding to it all the time because of all the new experiences that come my way. So, uh, but it's been a fantastic uh, journey. It's really made me a better person. Like I'm probably in better shape physically and many, mentally now than I've ever been in my life at 62 years old. So it was good. Yeah. It sounds like, no, it's very organic. You know, things are just kind of branching out for you, you know, yeah. as the years go by here for sure. Yeah. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein and energy bar that I have ever had. It's kind of hard to explain. You just have to experience it for yourself. It's got real chocolate, amazing flavors, and unlike a lot of other protein bars, energy bars, you don't need a gallon of water to get rid of that weird, funky aftertaste that sometimes comes with the other bars. It's just good, and it actually kind of tastes quite a bit like a candy bar. It has an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There are no crazy additives, and if you compare it to the most popular men's bar, Cliff, it is half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. How can it be that good and taste that good? I don't know. You just got to try it for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off of your first box at BuiltBar.com. Once again, use promo code Locked On and get ten dollars off your first box at www.builtbar.com. Something I definitely wanted to ask you about too. We got to talk about the current Rangers a little bit. Obviously, you know, a couple of years ago, that letter goes out from the front office, and you know, they're basically saying, I mean, they weren't this blunt about it, but it was basically like, we're going to trade all these players you love. We're going to rebuild. It's going to hurt for a little while, but we're going to put a championship contender together. And now this past season. I mean, we saw that team grow up before our very eyes. We saw them improve as the season went on. Uh, how do you feel about the current state of the Rangers, you know, just in general, uh, where things stand right now? And can this team win a Stanley Cup within the next three or five years? Yes. So I love them. And yes, they can win a Stanley Cup. And what I love is that it's not just win one cup. You know, they're building themselves so that they can win multiple cups or at least be contenders. It's tough to win all the time now to be like an old Islander team. But 
you know, I, I love what they did when they sent the letter out because they had some popular players, you know, like Ryan McDonough and those kind of guys. And they were still a good team. It wasn't like they were an awful team, but they're basically saying, okay, but we're not going to get where we want to get with this group of guys. There's nothing wrong with those guys. It's just the, the age of them getting older and everything. So to do that, it's, it's kind of a, a bold move, right? Especially in New York. I mean, there's, you know, television revenue and all that kinds of stuff to think about. Uh, so, but they did the right thing. Uh, I think one of the best things they did was hire their coach, Quinn. I thought he, he was very similar. And I told him this. I saw him in the gym uh, two summers ago. And we went out and I, I told him, I said, you're a lot like Herb Brooks. And that Herb it demanded a lot out of you. Um, and it, like, guys like uh, uh, Snevich, I think it is, you know, he's not going to like it. But Quinn's all over him all the time because he can see how good of a player he can be. And he just needs to be a little bit more consistent. And that's, and that's the way Quinn is. I mean, one, I think his quote when he first got here was, the one thing that is not negotiable is the work ethic. And when he said that, I was like, well, I love that stuff. You know, now you got to follow through. And what he did was, especially early, if guys weren't playing the way they were supposed to, it didn't matter who it was, he was putting them up in the press box. But he was being very – I love the way he handled it because he put them in the press box. But then he'd also say, listen, this is a fine young man, a very good hockey player. He just needs to regroup a little bit, and he'll be fine. So he supported him. He sent the message to him, but he supported him publicly, and I'm, I'm thinking privately as well. So I, I love what they did. Um, made a tough move this year, moving away from uh, Henrik Lundqvist, but they had to do it. They had two great young goaltenders there, and Shosturkin and uh, uh, Georgiev. Uh, they got a little lucky, obviously, with Lafreniere and Kapokako being that high of draft picks, but you know that's you know, that, that everybody else had the opportunity as well. Uh, I tell you, one of the guys I think, I, obviously getting Panarin and Truba as free agents was a big thing. But I'll tell you, Zibanejad, he's, to me, uh, he got so much better under Quinn. Like, he's one of the – like, he's up there now. To me, when he was playing the way he was prior to the shutdown because of the pandemic, man, like, I'm a huge believer in uh, Patrice Bergeron up in Boston as being a two-way centerman. And, and I'll tell you, Zibanejad was right there. Uh, so they've got a lot of great things going on for them. a lot of good young kids. Uh, you know, still going to have to be patient. I mean, they're not going to win a cup. Uh, you know, this next season, they, they'll get better and they'll get better every year. I mean, getting guys like Fox, watching like Fox plays with so much poise and everything too. So they've done a lot of great things. Like I said, the coaching staff is uh, great. And, uh, you know, bringing JD back in, obviously I'm prejudiced because uh, you're an old teammate and everything, a good friend of mine. Uh, but it's just like JD's got that way about him too, that uh, like he speaks so well, like he's kind of like the voice of the team, you know, and he's like kind of reassuring, but also like, okay, okay yeah, we're good but we're not going to get ahead of ourselves now. So there's going to be ups and downs. You know, we're going to play great for a while. When you've got young kids, there's going to be times where, you know, they play great one night and the next night you're like, where is this guy? He can't play in the NHL. You know, that's young kids. That's the way they do it. You know, kind of like me shooting the puck in my own net in my first game. So, uh, but I, I, I love watching them. So that's to me too. Like, you know, if you're a garden, uh, like you're a New York Ranger fan, you gotta love watching them play because they play hard too. Like they're not playing hard. You know, Quinn's not going to play them. So, you know, a guy, but guys like Panarin, what I love about him too, um, well, not only is he super talented, but he brings it every game, too, on the road and at home. Like, if physically, if somebody's doing something to one of his teammates, he sticks in there, too. He's yeah. really – I for a couple of seasons, I worked for a, a television station out of Stanford, Connecticut, and it was called One World Sports, and they would cover, you know, odd sports around the world. They would cover the KHL, the Russian League. So they would have us sit in a booth up in Stanford, Connecticut, and kind of do the play-by-play -play from the feed that we saw from Russia. And Panarin was playing there as well. And he was a good player, but man, he's a way better NHL player than he was back then. And I was really surprised because I remember they brought him over to Chicago and I thought, he's not that good. You know, he started off playing well and I thought, well, that's not going to last. But man, he just keeps getting better and better. And I think a large part is he just, he's got a big heart and a lot of passion for the game. Yeah, it's funny with Panarin because, you know, he starts with the Chicago Blackhawks, obviously. And, you know, I think there were a lot of people who were maybe a little bit skeptical about him because, you know, 
you know, he's out there on the same line with, you know, either Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taze, one of these great players they have. And, oh, well, you know, his stats are just inflated because he's out there with these all-stars. But yeah. he was better this past season with Ryan Stroman, Jesper Fosses as his line mates than he Absolutely. ever was with anybody with the Blackhawks. It's really crazy to think about. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you 100% because after watching him, I think, yeah, he's not that good. He's, he's good. He's getting points because of Kane, and that's why he's getting his points. Uh, but then – and even in Columbus, you know, he was better. He's – and like I said, I love watching him play. I'd love to have him as a teammate, right? Like even like he has fun, like with the Rockets, the kick he makes and all that kind of stuff. So he's having fun in the game. He's got that personality and everything, but he competes all the time too. He doesn't let himself having fun get in the way of him competing. Like if I'm a coach, I'm going, you love it because not only is he going to help you win, but then the rest of the guys, especially all the young guys, and especially in Madison Square Garden, to have that mentality that the guy, it's okay to have fun. Bring the passion to the game. That's what the fans want. You know, again, there's young players sometimes they get, oh, God, I don't want to stick up, stick myself out too much because then I'm going to get booed. You know, no, it's like, you know, and I understand why they think that way. But the Ranger fans, even if they get upset with you, if you're giving that effort all the time, they'll accept it. They'll love you, not just accept it. So, yeah, yeah I think Panarin's, and, and like I said, same thing. Zabana Jed's a little bit more of a quiet guy, it looks like. But, man, he, I, I just love the way he plays. He plays at both ends. I remember there was a game uh, late in the season last year before the pandemic, obviously, and, uh, they uh, they were up a goal or something. I think Savannah's had scored a bunch of goals. Uh, they ended up, the other team scored. They had to go to overtime. The Rangers ended up winning. And there was a, a, a former uh, GM, Brian Burke, who's a great guy, and he was doing some color commentating. And he was, I remember listening to him the next day, and he was saying, oh, yeah, they were trying to reward Savannah's by putting him out there late in the game when he shouldn't have been out there. And he didn't understand, and it's not his fault, but he hadn't really watched the Rangers enough to, to understand how good of a defensive forward Zabanajad has become like winning face-offs, blocking shots. Uh, the fact that he's so good with the puck, he doesn't let the other team have the puck, right? So when he's playing. So he's he's come a long way. I remember when he first got here, I thought, oh, he's, okay, he's a good player. Uh, but, man, he's really improved his game a lot. Yeah, he's just gotten better and better and better. And, you know, that five-goal performance, how about that against the Capitals yeah. last season? He gets the winner in overtime. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, the Rangers will play, and sometimes with this podcast, I'll record right after the game. Sometimes I'll wait until the next morning. But with that one, man, I couldn't get my laptop open fast enough. I couldn't yeah. get my microphone set up fast yeah. enough. I was just like, man, like that was just incredible. And, you know, it's one of those things. I think Ranger fans were starting to realize how good this guy is. Yes. That was the night I think the entire hockey world had no choice but to take notice. And, it's like, and again, yeah. like you said, I know you know this. It isn't just the goals, although the goals are fantastic. But he can do it all, too. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's funny because I think probably more than any other team in the league, I thought the, the, the shutdown – really hurt the Rangers because they were on such a roll when they came back. It just, it just didn't see, it just wasn't there again for them. You know, I think the confidence level was so high before everybody knew the roles and have the time off and then they come back. It just, they couldn't seem to get it going again. Yeah. I feel like it's even harder probably for a young team like the Rangers, you know, yeah. to be off for a couple of yeah. months and now you're in, you know, Toronto in this bubble and what is this, what are we doing? And yeah. you know, it just, just didn't work out in the playoffs this yeah. year, but hopefully a good learning experience for them. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, and that's going to happen. Again, it's going to happen this season probably too. I mean, I think the team should make the playoffs, and maybe they went around uh, or two. But, uh, you know, and listen, who knows? I mean, uh, like the goaltending, that's the thing. Like their, their goaltending, Shesterkin, could be so good. Uh, like, And what I really liked about him was not just stopping the puck, but he seems to be under so much control. I feel like if you're a, like anybody on the team, but especially as a defenseman, and your goaltender is flopping around like it's just a miracle he made the save, then you feel like, God, we must be playing terrible here, you know, because this goaltender is just saving us. But with him, he's so under control. It's just like, okay, guys, we're fine. It was a two-on-one. You take the guy off the side here. Let me take the shooter. I'll make the save. We're all fine. You know, he just had that attitude that it was, uh, you know, it was, the game was easy to him. You know, and even if he got scored on, they, 
Like I, I loved Henry Lundqvist, he was fantastic on and off the ice, one of the greatest athletes that's ever played in any sport and greatest athletes ever played in New York. And again, the way he carried himself too. But he, the one thing that kind of would get me a little upset, like he would yell at his defenseman all the time, you know, like he'd be losing a yell at And if I'm, I'm thinking like, if I'm a defenseman, I'm not too happy about that, you know, like it's almost like, but again, I don't think he's doing it in a bad way. I just think he's so intense and wanted to win so bad. That was his way. Uh, but as a defenseman, especially the younger guys too, it's kind of like, okay, could we just settle down a little bit? Is there anyone, uh, you know, either on the Rangers or in, in the league as a whole that kind of reminds you of yourself? Anybody that kind of brings that grit to the ice, kind of that old school mentality, if you will. Is there anybody you can come up with that, uh, that kind of uh, reminds you of a young yeah. player, if you will? Well, he just retired now, but uh, Dan Girardi. Uh, okay. A lot of people said that uh, I, I think I was probably – a little bit more physical than he was. I mean, the game was more physical back then, you know, but it was that same kind of mentality that, listen, I'm here for, I have a job to do, right? My job is to play defense. And that was, uh, and I'll tell you, that's really carried, one of the things that's carried over into my true grit life is understanding that, um, you know, you're, you're still a very valuable part of the team or you're still a very valuable part of the family or a very valuable part of the business, even if you don't have the biggest role. And I try to, to let people know that, that listen, you have a role here. If you, it doesn't matter that you're not getting the attention everybody else is. If you don't do your role, then the whole thing falls apart. And again, that's that whole Navy SEAL mentality too. You know, they're, they're a team. I actually I got to do some training, some tactical training with having a Navy SEAL instruct us a few months ago. And it was really cool in that like he had us doing kind of team things, like the teams of twos. And we'd be, we had real weapons and everything. We are attacking this, what was supposed to be a site where the enemy was. And he, he talked about how uh, when your partner is running, it's your job to you know draw fire. So you're shooting on the bad guys, but you're not shooting to protect yourself. In fact, you're going to be taking fire because you're, you're what you're doing is to try to keep the fire away from your partner that's moving. And then when you go to move, he's doing the same thing. So it's that whole team attitude, um, and that's uh, you know that to me when you're playing, that's you know that you realize okay, I have a job to do. It doesn't matter if I'm not getting attention or not. You know, Dan Girardi was a guy that I thought played like that, and that's really and Herb Brooks really helped me understand that role for myself too. Absolutely. And uh, one more thing I have to ask you about. Obviously, you played for the Rangers, you played for the Kings. What was it like when those two teams meet in the Stanley Cup Finals in 2014? I mean, that had to be pretty surreal to see your two former teams. Yeah, it was the Tom Laidlaw Cup. Tom Laidlaw Cup, right there, wasn't it? There it yeah. is. There it is. It was good. It was a tough one because uh, listen, both organizations treated me fantastic. You know, when I was at the Rangers. They, they were incredible, and they still are incredible to us as alumni living in the area now. Um, and I was with the Kings, same thing. I was treated great. Uh, Luke Robitaille, who's the president of the team now, uh, he was a teammate of mine, and I keep in touch with him, so I was so happy for him, too. And it, so it's like I, 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 I couldn't cheer for either team. I wanted them both to do well, you know, because of the ties I had to them. But it was good hockey, too. Uh, like, you know, even though L.A. won the Cup, you know, the, the Rangers, was it 4-1 in that series? Was it 4-1, yeah. The Rangers yeah, won game still, four. And, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, it could have been a lot closer than that, like some of the posts they hit and all that kinds of stuff. So yeah. that was great hockey. I was I was proud of both teams the way they played. I always say, you know, as much as game five of that series hurts, one of the best hockey games I've ever seen yeah. in my life. I mean, Absolutely. everything on the line. I mean, both teams are hitting the post in overtime. Yeah. And, I mean, as a fan, you're on the edge of your seat. You can barely yeah. keep watching this. Um, and I always say, and I'll ask you about this as well, I talk about this on my show a little bit. So, I mean, obviously, the Kings go up three games to none. The Rangers win game four at the Garden to, you know, stay in it. They send it back to L.A. And uh, game five goes into double overtime. Now, say the Rangers win that game in double overtime, and now you're going home for game six in the Garden. Can you imagine what Madison Square Garden would have been like that night? Oh, yeah. No question. Yeah. I mean, we go down in history, right? I mean, like, uh, you know, to be – I know even talking to people, I wasn't with the Rangers yet, like in 79 when they played against Montreal. Like, that team's a legendary team, too, that Ranger team. You know, you talk to Ranger fans – 
uh, yeah, those those playoff games, even for us, my first season, the 881 season, we played the Kings in the first round. We had the big brawl out there. I mean, that's one of those, like, fans love talking about that as well. So, yeah, those those moments where, yeah, we like that kind of stuff when you're down 3 nothing, you go to the other team's building, you, you win a game, you come back. Yeah, that's you can't uh, – you, those kind of things Ranger fans will remember forever, yeah. For sure. Uh, now, one last thing I want to do today, I definitely got to ask you about your time as a Survivor contestant. Yes. Um, I, I read something where I think uh, they were interested in getting you to do The Amazing Race, and then, uh, you know, I think you couldn't find a partner or something. And yeah. Then- you end up saying, you know, I'll do Survivor. And they were like, yeah, let's do Survivor. So, I mean, how did the whole thing come together? Yep. So, I think how it was, Jared Bruckheimer owns a piece. I, I owns a piece or something of Amazing Race, Survivor, and Big Brother. And he's a huge hockey fan. And actually, he's going to be part owner of the Seattle Kraken. Uh, he's involved in that team. So, he, he runs like a, a hockey kind of league almost with like movie stars and everything out in Los Angeles. So, he's a big hockey guy. So, he went to the NHL and asked. It wasn't just me. Just to, can you get some guys, the older guys who um, – you know, had former teammates or friends together. We want guys that have some kind of relationship together. Uh, so they came, you know, I was one of the guys the Rangers had asked. Um, and I, I get myself in trouble because I've said this a few times, but none of the other guys were in shape. They couldn't go. Or, so, But some of, these, some of the old guys don't like when I say that. But uh, And plus, you needed a U.S. passport at the time, too. That's that's changed now. But uh, so ultimately, it didn't work with, uh, uh, with Amazing Race. And it was more, I had a guy working with me who knew somebody was a casting agent. The casting agents for Survivor are the same ones for Amazing Race and everything like that. So time went a little by and he says, well, listen, do you want to revisit this? And so we contacted the casting agent. So I was somewhat of a recruit. Uh, you know, they, they call it, there's other recruits or people that apply all the time. And there was myself and an Olympic swimmer that were both recruits in the show that I was on. So uh, basically you do a video kind of, they want you to see what, they want to see what your personality is like. So we did a video and I was pretty cocky in the video and everything. And uh, they put music to it and showed some old fights and everything. So once they get that, if they like that, then they have Jeff Probst, the host, who will call you and do a FaceTime call. And it's pretty uh, pretty casual. We're just chatting away. Uh, and then they do a FaceTime call with uh, uh, the produ- some couple of producers, so the main producer. And the other producer who was on with him was a big L.A. Kings fan, too. So he knew who I was in a whole bit. So we, uh, we hit it off. And then they fly out to California for five days of casting. And that's pretty interesting because you do a lot of interviews with, the, with the, uh, all the people working there. Uh, you do a lot of physical testing. The biggest thing they do is psychological testing. They really want to uh, find out, okay, can you handle it psychologically? Uh, and what is your personality? What are your personality traits? They, they really want to be able to fit people together. And after you know, our season was 30, 39, uh, 39, so after 38 seasons, they have a pretty good idea of personalities and how they're going to fit together and what they want to see, the interactions and everything. So, uh, so after we left LA, they, they, they tell you that they're going to call you in a couple of weeks. And it was months that went by and I thought, well, they don't want me. And then they finally called and uh, said they wanted me on the show. So it was, uh, it was fun though. It was great. It was really, so I was 60 years old when I went out there, I turned 61 on the show. And I really, it really helped me with true good life too, because I do say to people, I said, listen, if you have dreams and goals, go after them, go get them. You know, don't wait. Like, I don't believe in having a bucket list. I don't think when somebody's telling you that you're dying of some disease that you then go ahead and do all the things that you want to do. You should do it ahead of time. Yeah. So I, you know, instead of me just talking about it, you know, being on Survivor kind of helped me say, listen, I've done it. You know, I, I, I did it go out there. And I really, I did hesitate a little bit uh, because after watching a bunch of the series to really make sure I understood the way it was going, uh, you know, it's a lot of lying and cheating and everything like that. And that kind of goes against true great life entirely. And I, people say, well, it's a TV show, Tom, but still it's a reflection of people going to see you. That's how they remember you. That's how you've acted. And I just said to myself, well, I'm not going to get involved in that. I'm going to play the game the way I want to play it. Um, and uh, I, when I remember when I was getting voted off, 
you know, I was, I, I kind of knew I was one of the ones that they were going to target to get voted off. Uh, I think to myself, I, listen, I don't want to get voted off. I want to win the game, but I felt comfortable the way I played was the way I, I, I decided I was going to go out there. And that was not be the lion and cheat, you know, play more the loyalty game, build an alliance and all those games. And the other contestants on the show were, you know, they were voting me off. So I think they're, they're saying all nicely. In fact, the reason they voted me off was because I was too loyal. Uh, we'd had a tribe swap with the people I was on a tribe with got swapped over to the old tribe. And those are the people I built an alliance with. So the new people on my tribe knew that I was going to stay loyal to those old people. So they said, we got to get rid of this guy. So, right. um, so, you know, it was, uh, again, you don't ever, I, I want to win, but I felt comfortable the way I played the game. Absolutely. And you were very gracious. Cause I, I watched a couple of clips, you know, you, you wish everybody luck as you were leaving and said, you know, go get him all that good stuff. Uh, it's an interesting dynamic on that show. And, and I haven't watched in, you know, quite some time, but, you know, you're on a tribe, you're part of a team, but really you're not because eventually it's going to be everybody for themselves and you, there can only be one winner. That, that team's right. not going to win. So. Yeah, it is. It's very true. And like I said, there's so many different ways to play the game too, right? You can play my way, which was, you know, trying to build that alliance, uh, you know, and, but again, things will happen, you know, and again, that's part of life too. You know, like I, I preach to people, I say, listen, uh, you're, you're not going to be perfect and, and life is not fair. So like in that sense on Survivor, it wasn't fair that the people I built the alliance with all went to the other side, but that's just the way it went. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, and then you've got to make decisions. You know, like it, the host even asked me uh, at the, at the show in the tribal council at the end, uh, Jeff said to me, he says, Tom, have, will you ever beg for anything? And I said, no, I said, this is who I am. I've got to live my life all out and they either decide who they want or who they don't want. And, uh, yeah, so it is, it is weird. Some people will try to you know, flip around and say, okay, I'm going to be have an alliance with you. And then, no, okay, now I'm going to have an alliance with you. But when they do that, then nobody trusts them at all, right? So it's, some people have won that way, playing the game. There's this guy, Tony, and he's a cop, bald-headed guy, and, and he'd, uh, he'd won the game. He, he wasn't loyal to anybody. He was flipping all over the place, but ultimately won the game. So it's, you know, this, that's the thing. Um, and I don't mean this is any disrespect for the people that win it's kind of a crapshoot now who wins too. Like, again, there's so many different ways to play more often than not. Uh, everybody is looking to get somebody else voted off. So that it's not them. That's the main focus of the game. Every tribal council, you're trying to say, I don't want, I don't want to stick out. I don't want people coming after me. So let's band together and find somebody else to vote off. And it's just the luck of the draw. Sometimes who, who wins when the game, but it was a blast though too. Like it's a real deal. Like you're, you're sleeping in the dirt. Like I normally eat around 3,500 calories every day when I'm home. And they estimated out there, you only get around 300 calories a day with rice and coconuts. So it's like I lost 27 pounds when I was out there. And, uh, and again, you're sleeping in the dirt, you're building fires. Uh, there's no cheating on it. There's no toilet paper. There's no showering. It's, 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 you're, you're a mess when you get done after the show. It's, you have to have about 10 showers before you get cleaned up. Yeah, I'm sure that first meal, once you get off the island, tastes, tastes extra special at that point. Yeah, you know what, though? It's funny because you hadn't eaten so much. I thought I'd just be like, when you get on the boat, you, they'll radio in and say, what do you want? So I ordered like pizza, cheeseburger, and fries, and like yeah. a bucket of beer and everything like that. I had half a beer. Part of, I couldn't eat anymore. It's like yeah. you, I'm so used to not eating very much. that, uh, But eventually you get that back. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, Tom, you know, I, I feel like we could sit here. We could probably talk about hockey. We could probably talk about Survivor just about all day if we felt like sure. it. I, I will let you get going. I figure. Uh, you know, we'll have to do this at some point in the future, maybe uh, yeah. when we're getting close to the start of the season or during the season. Well, Perfect. Absolutely. Yep. Love yeah. to. All right. Good stuff. So, uh, yeah, Ranger fans, uh, thanks for thanks for tuning in. And, Tom, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Great to meet you. Yeah, you too. 
All right, once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in, and a huge thank you to Mr. Tom Laidlaw for joining the podcast, talking with us about hockey, about Survivor, about pretty much anything that came to mind here. Uh, definitely a good time. We'll definitely have to have Tom back in the future, but that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you would like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And one final announcement here at the very end of the show. It's looking like we are going to have another former New York Ranger on the show in very short order here. We've kind of been sending each other messages back and forth, just looking to firm up a time and date, but that should be coming uh, before long. So we have that to look forward to as well. Once again, thank you guys so much. I'll see you next time.